CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Monday, April 3rd, 2023. It's about 1035 in the morning here on the East Coast of the United States. I mean, to say this is a critical week for Donald Trump is to be guilty of an understatement. But here are your hot topics for uh, today. Uh, first, an analysis of Trump and then another story, which is rather uh, unpleasant, uh, about the use of kidnapping as an instrument of diplomacy. But for Donald Trump, most people know by now that he's been indicted by uh, a Manhattan grand jury. We don't know exactly what the charges are. We do know that some of this stuff is pretty much admitted, which is the falsifying of business records, uh, which was uh, Trump's uh, habit and pattern uh, of keeping his own business records. His view is it's a private corporation. It's not publicly held. He'll keep his business records however he wants. Unfortunately, New York state law prohibits recording um, um, uh, a, an expenditure in a deceptive way. But I'm reluctant to comment on the indictment because I haven't seen it yet. Um, a CNN reports that it has 30 different counts. That's 30 different charges in there. I think I can guess what those 30 charges are, but I'm also going to guess that there are some charges in there that have nothing to do with the Stormy Daniels allegation. So the guts of the allegation, just to repeat for you, uh, are that uh, Trump used corporate funds to pay a campaign debt. Now, that is a felony under federal law. The feds decided not to prosecute Trump for that after he left office because they found the principal witness against him, Michael Cohen, to be lacking in credibility. The state prosecutors who interested who interviewed Cohen 21 times, including three or four mock cross-examinations, found him to be credible. So on the basis of uh, Michael Cohen's testimony that he orchestrated a scheme whereby Trump Organization funds were used to pay Stormy Daniels for silence during the last, excuse me, um, two weeks of the presidential campaign of 2016 when uh, Donald Trump was running against uh, Hillary Clinton, uh, Cohen's uh, comments and testimony is also backed up substantially by Trump organization records, by Cohen's personal records, and by the records of Cohen's uh, law firm. So the allegation is that when Trump reimbursed Cohen, he reimbursed Cohen on a check that said Donald J. Trump with the address of Trump Tower, his home at the time. But then he had himself reimbursed by checks from the Trump organization. So the money to pay uh, Stormy Daniels went from the Trump organization to Donald Trump to Michael Cohen to a dummy corporation in Delaware to Stormy Daniels' lawyer in California to Stormy Daniels. The problem is that these were corporate uh, funds. If every time a check was cut, they're considering it a separate uh, criminal act. I can understand where the 30 acts come from, 
because there were 13 checks to Cohen. Maybe there were 13 checks or wire transfers from the Trump organization to Donald Trump uh, personally. Uh, that would be 26 right there. The other four counts of the indictment probably pertain uh, to another woman who uh, claims to have had sex with Donald Trump. And Trump denies both of these sexual liaisons with Stormy Daniels and with the other woman. The other woman was involved in what's called catch and kill. Uh, if that's in the indictment, because it's a kind of sexy, snarky phrase, catch and kill, uh, you'll be hearing a lot about that. What is that? That's what happens when a woman uh, has gone to the National Enquirer or the National Enquirer went to the woman because they heard that she was making noises about going public about a sexual liaison uh, with Donald Trump. The National Enquirer will say, we'll pay you for your story. And they agree on amount of money. She signs a statement agreeing never to discuss this publicly with anybody except a reporter from the National Enquirer. Uh, the reporter interviews her, they write up the story, and then the National Enquirer kills the story. So it's all part of the scheme. They never intended to run the story at all. She gets the 100000 paid by the National Enquirer. Uh, Donald uh, Trump uh, reimburses the National Enquirer, uh, and then the um, Trump Organization reimburses Donald Trump. What's wrong with that? Well, it's fraud. The, the fraud was that this lady thought she was going to get a story printed, Whereas in reality, the story was caught and killed, hence catch and kill. That's probably what these 30 counts are. 26 or so having to do with Stormy Daniels and four or so having to do with this other uh, woman. If there are other criminal acts in there, other uh, acts of corporate or individual, have to be individual wrongdoing if he's indicted, uh, I don't know what they are. But I've cautioned a lot of our uh, conservative Republican friends, particularly those who believe that this is a political prosecution, wait, wait until you see the indictment. We will see the indictment tomorrow, uh, probably shortly before noon. The arraignment, the booking and the arraignment of the former president uh, is scheduled for 2.15 in the afternoon. He should probably arrive at the courthouse uh, around one o'clock. He'll be treated with respect and dignity, but not the way criminal defendants are ordinarily treated in that courthouse. He's not going to be handcuffed. He's not going to be sitting in a jail cell. He's certainly not going to be in a room uh, with other defendants. And wherever he goes, he's going to be surrounded by a phalanx of armed Secret Service agents. But he will be fingerprinted. They don't use ink anymore. It's all digital. It's a simple rolling of your finger on a glass plate uh, under which is a, a digital camera. Um, he will be mugshot. Now, some states release the mugshots immediately to the press. New York State does not. There's going to be a lot of pressure on the state of New York to release that, and somebody on the inside probably will leak it, but the, it is not officially released. Uh, fingerprinted, mugshot, measured, you're not going to like this, and weighed so that the public information will say Trump Donald J with his booking number uh, where he lives, how tall he is, and what he weighs. That information will be public. He'll then wait around for a while while he goes through the indictment with his lawyers. He'll then walk into a packed courtroom. Judge will say, you are Donald Trump. Yes, do you understand the charges against you? Now, here's where it can get dicey if he wants. I mean, I've 
probably done a few thousand arraignments in my career. When you say to the defendant, do you understand the charges against you? Either the defendant or his lawyer says, yes, we waive, we give up our right to have the charges read. If Donald Trump says, I don't understand the charges against you, mm, that's going to tick everybody off because he's then asserting a right that he has, but nobody ever asserts it these days, to have the charges read aloud, whereupon the judge will instruct one of the clerks while Trump is standing politely at attention facing the judge, standing with his lawyer, uh, Joe Tacopina, and probably one of one or two other lawyers uh, as well, everybody else in the courtroom seated, while the clerk stands there and reads the charges aloud. And then the judge will say, okay, you've heard them. How do you plead? He won't ask twice, do you understand them? Because Trump will probably claim he doesn't understand them. Um, if Trump's lawyers do this the proper way, then Joe Tacopina will say before Trump can answer, we understand the charges, we waive the reading because Tacopina's thinking, let's get the heck out of here and let the man get back to his home in Mar-a-Lago. He's champing at the bit to hold a press conference. An another issue about which I'll speak uh, in a moment. One of the things that Trump will be told, he doesn't need to be told this, but he will, will be told this during the booking process is his Miranda warnings. Mr. President, you see all these people around here in blue uniforms. You don't have to talk to any of them. Anything you say to any of them can and will be used against you. We see Mr. Takapina here, but if you if you don't want him as a lawyer and you want a public defender, it sounds ridiculous, but they have to say this, you're entitled to one and the court will assign one. One of the boxes that the, the booking police have to check is, did you give the defendant his Miranda warnings? As preposterous as it sounds in this case, they will give him the Miranda warnings and then either check a box saying he got them or require him to sign in uh, under that box saying that he got the Miranda warnings and he understands them. Once uh, a not guilty plea is entered, whether it's because Donald Trump himself says in that distinct, loud, proud voice, not guilty, or whether Joe Tacopina says it for him, then the court will assign a date for a pretrial conference at which the uh, lawyers without the defendant there and the judge will get together and decide how complicated is the case. Here's your schedule for filing motions. Motions are applications by the defendant to whittle away at the charges to which they're absolutely entitled. It would be malpractice for Trump's lawyers not to file uh, motions. Uh, it's more orderly when you have a schedule for the motions, so the government knows what's coming and the defendant knows when the government needs to uh, reply. That will be the next event on the calendar usually happens a month or two uh, down the road. Then Trump will be whisked out of the courthouse. He may want to go through a public entrance so that he can uh, be greeted by the mobs that will be in the streets, or he may want to go out an underground garage so his car can either whisk him up to Trump Tower or out to LaGuardia Airport, where his uh, private jet will be waiting for him to take him back to Mar-a-Lago. Now, once he gets back to Mar-a-Lago, his estate in Florida, uh, he plans to make a nationally televised uh, statement to the American public. This is risky. 
the statement can't be extemporaneous and it needs to be approved by his lawyers because the government really will be scrutinizing everything that he says. And the last thing in the world he wants to say is to admit to anything. Now, my understanding is that that he he will admit to the way the Trump organization books were kept, or he will say he didn't know how they were kept. My advice, say nothing. Say nothing about the criminal uh, case because everything you say not only can and you can and will be used against you, it'll be tortured and twisted so that it can be used against you. The government is the best uh, at doing that. So my other advice is stop attacking the judge. Your lawyer, Joe Tacopina, knows this is a fine judge with an excellent reputation. You didn't like some of his rulings in a case against the Trump organization. I looked at those rulings. Most judges, including this one, would have made the same uh, rulings ourselves. Uh, but attacking the judge does you no good. Don't deny until after you're accused. Don't deny at all, because no good comes from this PR campaign that is intermingled with the legal process. PR campaign, his status as a candidate, his popularity amongst the American people, his ability to resonate with what the American people want to hear, his finger on the pulse of those ostracized by society. Those are all valid things for him to talk about, but they don't mean a damn inside the courtroom. So if the purpose of his speech is to whip up public opinion in support of him, go for it. If the purpose a purpose of his speech is to whip up um, political uh, donations to his run for the Republican nomination for a president, go for it. But if the purpose of his speech is to mount a legal defense, it's the wrong forum in which to do, and it probably will harm, do him more harm than good. While all of this is going on, the feds, the feds now, not the Manhattan DA, the feds are the best leakers of information in the world. That type of leaking is highly inappropriate, unethical if done by a lawyer, but not criminal. So I don't know who, but the feds have leaked to the Washington Post that in the Mar-a-Lago investigation, they are zeroing in on the most damaging charge against the former president, which is obstruction of justice. This one carries serious jail time. And the basis for the obstruction of justice charge is testimony from several members of the Mar-a-Lago staff, one of whom kept incredibly detailed notes of every conversation she had with the former president. Those notes are now in the hands uh, of the FBI. Those notes reflect that Trump personally reviewed the documents, which he personally and which he personally directed others to hide inside Mar-a-Lago after the subpoena was received from the grand jury demanding the return of the National Defense Information, not using the word classified because the subpoena doesn't ask for classified, it asks for NDI, National Defense Information, um, which is always and everywhere unlawful for everybody, even the sitting president to have outside of a secure federal facility, which Mar-a-Lago Mar is not. Okay, so back to this latest information that the Washington Post uh, claims to have received from uh, federal sources. Uh, this uh, staff member has testified before a grand jury 
that Trump himself reviewed the NDI and then told her and others where to hide it from the uh, from the uh, FBI. The FBI found it. How did the FBI found it? Well, find it. Well, the FBI had another witness on the staff who told them where this stuff was. Where was it? It was in Mrs. Trump's personal clothing closet. All right, listen, I'd be upset too. Trump was furious when he found out the FBI went to Melania's clothing closet, but they went there uh, because a, an employee of Mar-a-Lago said, that's where he told me to put this box. And another employee said he looked in the box and the national defense uh, secrets were there. And I, the other employee, looked in the box and saw them there and he wanted to hide them. So the Mar-a-Lago situation is a mess and expect these other indictments to come. Mar-a-Lago, January 6th, and of course, Georgia. I'm not going to repeat uh, January 6th uh, in, in Georgia now, but I want to underscore that when the government wants to pile on, it will, which is another reason he should be careful about what he says. This is an old North Carolina country phrase. Don't taunt the alligator until after you cross the stream. I don't know if there's alligators in North Carolina or not, but the late great Senator Jesse Helms used to say that. Don't taunt the prosecutors. He's probably going to taunt the federal prosecutors as well. They're human beings. There's no reason uh, to taunt them. You may disagree with what they're doing, uh, but maybe a lot of this is your own fault, Mr. President. Why did you take those documents with you? Why did you hide them when you knew the feds were coming? That's a crime called obstruction of justice. Why did you lie to your own lawyers, which his lawyers have testified before a grand jury that he did about where the documents were? All of that is happening as I speak, as Donald Trump will surrender himself to New York state authorities tomorrow. Get ready for three more indictments. Georgia on uh, attempting to undo a lawful election. Mar-a-Lago on these matters I've just discussed. Espionage, which is the retention of national defense secrets and obstruction of justice. And January 6th, which is inciting uh, an insurrection. A lot of us believe that January 6th was a political demonstration. There were people who got carried away. They did break, uh, they did uh, destroy property. Uh, A cop died uh, of a stroke or a heart attack the next day. Uh, A cop murdered a woman by shooting her uh, in the neck, no charges. Uh, But the rest was uh, property damage and disruption of Congress. The people who committed those crimes have been punished harshly, far too harshly, in my opinion, but they've been punished. The government is probably going to indict the former president for instigating all of that. While all of this is happening, Evan Gershkovich, you probably never heard him, never heard of him. The Wall Street Journal bureau chief in Moscow uh, has been arrested in eastern Russia uh, and charged with espionage charged with being caught, quote, red-handed. That's an American phrase, of course, but the Russians were careful to use that precise phrase. They accuse him of having Russian national defense and military secrets in his hands, and they accuse him of being uh, a spy for the United States. Now, in America, if a, um, uh, a reporter or a person working for a bona fide news outlet has matters Uh, that are classified national defense information that was stolen by somebody else, the reporter can reveal them 
That's the Pentagon Papers case. The great American hero Daniel Ellsberg stole these documents from the Pentagon, copied them. There were 70,000, 70,000 pages of them, gave them to the Wall Street Journal, gave them to the New York Times. The Supreme Court voted six to three. He can publish them. The Times can publish them. He can still be prosecuted. He was prosecuted. The FBI broke You remember all this. The FBI broke into his psychiatrist's office to get his psychiatrist records. When the trial judge at his criminal trial found out about this, the trial judge threw the case out. The government decided not to appeal. So Ellsberg was never convicted. His prosecuted was prosecution was aborted by what the FBI did. There is no such protection in Russia. In Russia, if you're a foreign person caught with national defense information, it doesn't matter if you're in the media. So Evan Gershkovitz, I don't know if he had this stuff. The Americans say he didn't. He hasn't even had a chance to appear in court yet. We don't know what he'll say. He'll probably say he didn't. He'll say he was a journalist. He's not a spy. He works for the Wall Street Journal. Russians say he was a spy. All of this happened two weeks after a guy named Sergei Cherkasov was arrested. You probably never heard of Sergei Cherkasov. I never heard of him either. This is a Russian masquerading as a brilliant, excuse me, as a Brazilian soccer player in the United States whom the FBI re- uh, arrested for being a Soviet spy. Okay, the Russians arrest a Wall Street Journal reporter. They say he's an American spy. We arrest a Brazilian soccer player and say he's a Russian spy. Is this what diplomacy has come to? Is this the way we engage with Russia? They arrest one of ours, we arrest one of theirs. Can we make a swap for these two? Is this Brazilian soccer player really a Russian spy? Is this Wall Street Journal Moscow bureau chief really a Russian spy? I have a lot of friends that work uh, at the Wall Street Journal. As you may know, they're in the same building uh, as Fox is in. And of course, I worked in that building for a long time. Uh, and my friends are saying, this is not a Russian spy. This is an investigative reporter working for the Wall Street Journal. I believe them and I believe him. I a little soft spot in my heart for him because he's from Princeton, New Jersey, which is, as many of you know, where I went uh, to college. Nevertheless, uh, he's facing uh, 20 years uh, in a Russian penal colony. Not a not an American jail. This is a harsh, horrible place, similar to where um, the, the, the Brittany Griner was sent. She was only there for a couple of weeks uh, before the Biden administration negotiated her release by trading another so-called Russian spy, Victor Boot, spelled B-O-U-T, but pronounced as if it were B-O-O-T. One of the people who requested that Mr. Boot be transferred out of the country was the judge who sentenced him to 20 years for espionage, who really didn't believe the case against him, but sentenced him to it nevertheless. You can't make these things up. So that's where we are today. A lot of things happening in Trump world. This is Holy Week uh, in the Christian calendar. We're coming upon Passover uh, in the Jewish calendar. We're in the middle of Ramadan in the Muslim calendar, I think that there'll be a spike in all the Trump news today, tomorrow, tomorrow night, and Wednesday. And then we'll all start thinking about things that are more eternal and why are we really here 
and where do we go when we die? More about that later. My column this week is called Hope for the Dead. But right now we need hope for the living. More as we get this. This afternoon at 3 o'clock Eastern, Ricky Kleeman, longtime friend uh, and uh, professional collaborator of mine. She is the CBS News chief legal correspondent, also a friend of Donald Trump, with a lot of insight for you on the case against the former president. Three o'clock Eastern here on Judging Freedom. If you like what you hear, like and subscribe. More as we get it. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.